This is the Whiskey Rebellion podcast with your hosts Publius and Benevolus. We are back once again for another episode of the Whiskey Rebellion podcast. This is a special episode for the upcoming uh, Independence Day, 4th of July episode. Um, I think you mean Oppression Day. All right. I'll let you get to that. <laughs> um, we got a lot going on today. Uh, obviously, you can get an idea of where we're going uh, from Benevolus right now. We're going to start off with our Fuck the Elites, but it's going to be a little bit of a special edition um, regarding that. We'll go through a few tweets over the past week, some pretty intriguing ones, uh, especially for the summer, for the summertime. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about how we got to today, America as a nation, how we got here today. And then uh, we're going to talk about, it's, it's a line from the Declaration of Independence, um, our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. Uh, really, it's a, it's, Coming from Rush Limbaugh, so you know it's going to be good. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'll turn it over to my co-host, Benevolus here. Yeah, thanks for coming on, everybody. Um, great to be here, as always. And happy Oppression Day. Um, it's Oppression Day weekend. And the last time we were free was July 3rd, 1776. And... <laughs> We'll, we'll circle back to that. There's one. <clears throat> Just want to give a quick shout out to retalk.com, an affiliate and ally of Begasm Press and the Whiskey Rebellion. But we've come a long way um, from the bootlicking conservatives that we used to be. And since the beginning of the Whiskey Rebellion and really the Gas and Press, it's always been obvious that we've become a greater and greater conflict with our feelings towards America and her founding is absolutely no different. And we talked about that on the very first episode, the great experiment, you know, these men were white elitists and they wanted to exercise their own wealth and power. That way, you know, the, the barking oppressor across the ocean couldn't tell them what to do anymore. And I, I Respect that a hundred percent. They said, fuck the elites. <laughs> but what I were. don't respect. Yeah. They were the elites. What I don't respect though, is that the right for generations has skipped their greatest failure, slavery without losing sleep. And it's always, well, you know, they were going to come back to it in 1800. And then the, um, what's it called? The cotton mill was invented. Cotton gin, so then, yeah. yeah, the cotton gin. So, you know, they were like, oh, well, you know, we'll come back in 1865, fight a war over it, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, no, they don't get a free pass for that. And they, there should be an asterisk next to all their names that were slave owners. And yeah. who, who gives a fuck that they rounded up, you know, elitists, white elitists across America to fight a war that the British didn't even care about? Because they were an entire sea away. Okay. So, before 
we get into it, we're going to go fire off right away. And we're going to start with (laughs) the elite of the elitists. Over the past hundred years, he's been ranked the number two president of all time. Fuck George Washington. Okay. I'm going to read everybody something. What? What do you mean, fuck George Washington? Oh, you know why. (laughs) Post signing of the Constitution and the installment of the first United States government, there was an initiative to raise money to pay off war debt. I don't don't really know how, um, considering there was no country, but that's besides the point. These men fought for, what, five, six years mm-hmm. to, to not pay taxes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then the first thing King Washington does is Congress passes a whiskey tax. So on all whiskey distilled in the United States and sold, there was tax. Now, granted, it was very difficult to track. It was difficult to, you know, tr- I mean, how are you going to track anything in 1791? You know, it took them months to get over here from, you know, the motherland on a boat. Like, how? what, what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. So, 500 men attacked the fortified home of tax inspector General John Neville. <laughs> In Western Pennsylvania. Then he called upon governors throughout the United States to send militiamen to 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 where where, where the attack was going on. So <laughs> thirteen thousand militiamen show up. Thirteen thousand against 500 and guess who's riding at the very front of this you know tyrannical oppression (laughs) king george washington himself because he said no we've got to collect taxes and it doesn't matter that none of you want to pay this you ratify the constitution and that's just what, what we're going to do. It, it is noted that many of the resistors were war veterans who believed, but didn't we just, didn't we just fight against this? Uh, yes. And so thus was born the three-year reign of the Whiskey Rebellion, which is why this podcast is named the whiskey rebellion because we are still fighting the oppression of George freaking Washington in the white elitists of 1776. We are not bootlickers. And today, I mean, it is 2021 and today it is still illegal to make your own whiskey and sell it for a profit unless it is registered with the United States government. Think about that. This all goes back to the whiskey 
apparently it's also known as the Whiskey Insurrection. Insurrection. Quote, 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 insurrection. That's amazing. (laughs) So what do we have to say about that? Um, Have we ever been free? Have we ever gotten what we truly believe in, what we truly want? No. 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 It, it, they wanted this tax in the name of nationalism. They said, well, we're Americans now. We need to do this together. Hell no. Fuck that. Listen, the United States government has always been a terrorist organization. I'm going to leave it at that. Fuck George Washington. Fuck the elites. Uh, so I kind of piggybacked off of this because I was looking into it. Alexander Hamilton, uh, was the one who proposed this tax. Oh, man. I don't know if that gets you a little fired up, too. Oh. Anyway, I, I pulled up this Mount Vernon library. There's a there's a little thing on the side here, digital encyclopedia about whiskey production, and it says, although Washington seldom drank whiskey himself, he ran a profitable distillery at Mount Vernon from 1797 until his death in 1799. I wonder. You think he paid tax? <laughs> that I'll tell you what if somebody can ever track that down I want to know that'd be amazing how much um, tax did Washington pay I don't know can you look it up they probably yeah, rewrote the history books on that um, so I, I I texted you and I was like there's a couple routes I could go with this and you just basically told me to go after all of them <laughs> yeah so I, I saw Alexander Hamilton was the one that proposed this. One of the founding fathers wanted to break away from the oppression, but become the oppressor. Uh, there's also, of course, the tyrant King George. This guy, they oh, listed yeah. 27 grievances in the Declaration of Independence against this guy. Mm-hmm. Namely being taxation without their consent without representation uh i also i I started this one because it made the most sense to me with this language (laughs) uh he has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of people so anyone that had an opposing opinion on him he said fuck no you're out of here yeah which is just amazing sounds familiar (laughs) it it all comes back it all circles back two that's two uh and then another one you told me (laughs) you texted me this and said fuck john jay (laughs) because he he hid behind a pseudonym and basically (laughs) told everyone (laughs) to listen to the government listen to the tyrannical government and I, i i had to go along with it uh part of the federalist papers him, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton. What do we have to say about these guys? Fuck them. Fuck the elites. Yeah, they hid behind pseudonyms and convinced a country that they should bow down to George mm-hmm. Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I read <laughs> the uh, the Federalists opposed the Bill of Rights. Real? We talked about that last week. Yeah. That they did it because the state said, no, we have to have the Bill of Rights. Exactly. They opposed it because they were trying to say that they fear that people 
down the road will basically say that these are the only rights you have and there's there was nothing else but um <laughs> this guy robert yates writing under the pseudonym brutus um uh, in the anti-federalists uh basically said a government that's unrestrained by such a bill like the bill of rights would easily dissolve into tyranny devolve into tyranny really so <laughs> i mean he makes a good point I don't know why the Federalists were anti the Bill of Rights, unless they were tyrannical. Yeah. Yeah. And and think about it, related back to today, circle circle it forward, okay, Jen Psaki? I don't know about that. (laughs) Think about how that's perceived today, how the Bill of Rights are perceived. They don't exist. Oh, no. It's, that's wild to think about that they opposed it because we don't want to tell people these are the only rights they have. Right. Well, well, today, according to 50% of America, well, so they make you think, you know, half these rights don't exist. Yeah, exactly. They, they so don't I, really mean what you think they mean. No, no. <laughs> Circling back to OJ, old JW and his whiskey production, I want to point out one thing. How I knew that George Washington had a distillery because bootlicking people on the right have always said, oh, you know, George Washington, he was a moonshiner. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's badass, bro. <laughs> No. Moonshiners are outlaws. Moonshiners are not bootlickers. George Washington paid in 1799, so after his death, (laughs) he paid $332.64 in his annual taxes on his distillery that year alone. Which means he had it registered. Which means, what was he? A bootlicker. Oh, he's a bootlicker. That's for sure. One hundred percent oh yeah (laughs) that's all i've got to say about that i'm glad you circled back to that i am i'm glad too real quick we did have two posts go live this week one from justinian quick and dirty why trump lost the 2020 election he watched president trump's um first campaign since leaving office in i think it was northern ohio um, and he said that it was great. It reminded him of Trump in 2016 and that Trump in 2016 would have won the election in 2020, but instead he focused on the wrong things. And I had a post go to live this week, our first in our alliance with Retalk, who, by the way, uh, I guess there's a new Facebook group that's trying to come after Retalk from that are a bunch of libs that want to, you know, take it down. So that's great. Uh, but it's titled when you search with all your heart, not really relevant to everything we're talking about today. Um, so we're not going to get into them, but just wanted to give that quick shout out. Yeah. That's, Will, that's, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, that's great news about Retalk because you know you've made it when they're trying to cancel you. Exactly. 
we, I tweet as much as possible that we need to overthrow the United States government. I don't get anything. So hats off to Retalk. They're actually getting somewhere. Hopefully mm-hmm. one day someone tries to shut us down. <laughs> I, don't know many, on. <laughs> I don't know how many people say, I hope they shut us down. <laughs> <laughs> but we do here at the Whiskey Rebellion. Benny tweets, quick, rapid fire. I've got two for everybody. One, I want to just read this real quick. All we're going to do is read this, and I'm going to move to the next one right after that. Soak this in real quick. We talked about this a little bit last week. So this is from wh.gov, so whitehouse.gov. Under federal law, domestic terrorism is defined as activities that involve acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or of any state. Appear to be intended to intimidate or or coerce a civilian population to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion or to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping and occur primarily within the territorial jurisdiction of the United States. Soak that in. (laughs) Look it up. Look it up and soak that in. Next one, you know, I saw this today and I was like, this doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about, but it needs to be read. On September 10th, 2001, then U.S. Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld disclosed that his department was unable to account for roughly $2.3 trillion worth of transactions. The next day, everyone forgot about it. What? Yeah. $2.3 trillion? Yeah. Oh. oh. So he disclosed that on September 10th. That was announced. The next day, of course, 2001, everyone forgot about it. That is unreal. But we're the crazy ones, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, you got to Crazy as conspiracy theorists. Um, you know, I saw this yesterday, and I immediately thought of our hashtag TG, TGP White Boy Summer 2021. Oh, yeah. Um... It, this just proves that men run the world. Um, <laughs> transgender contestant, a biological male, wins Miss Nevada USA. You can't keep us out of anything now. No. First, That's the best part. It's the first transgender contestant to compete for the Miss USA title. I so mean, we we're won. taking over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So White boy just... summer. Yeah, white boy summer is just proof that men are superior to women. Even at being even at being better looking than women. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know why I said nine times out of ten. It's ten times out of ten. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. I enjoy that. But all those aside, let's get into uh let's get into America as we know it. Yeah, so I was prepping on Sunday for this episode. And I knew how I, I knew some things that we we should talk about, some things we should cover off. Celebrating Oppression Day is difficult. 
because we've gotten so far away from, I mean, history keeps rolling along the years. I mean, we're not going backwards. So how do you really sum up what Depression Day is? So let's start. I was going to read the entire Declaration of Independence. (laughs) I decided not to. (laughs) That's probably smart. It's really not that long. No, it's just, it's kind of a tongue twister. Yeah. So, but I do want to read the first part. And yes, American history starts far before 1776. The founding goes beyond July 4th, 1776. But in all seriousness, this was the document that got us started. Mm-hmm. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, essentially written by Thomas Jefferson, a young Thomas Jefferson. He was the same age as we are. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America went in the course of humanist. Wow. Went in the course of human events. That's why we're barely going to read any of it. <laughs> it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands with which have connected them with another. And to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impelled them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Originally, that was supposed to be life, liberty, and property. Is that right? I've heard that before. Yes. I didn't know. And one Mr. Silence Do Good, a.k.a. Benevolence Franklin, a.k.a. Ben Franklin, said, how about pursuit of happiness? He's really the... Of the big, big time founding fathers, the old, well, the old school boys, he was mm-hmm. the only one there. Uh, GW was off fighting the British. Uh, people forget that the war started a year before that. So, um, you know, we sit and listen growing up in, I mean, let's face it, we grew up in white America, white mm-hmm. suburban America. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, you know, we're the greatest country in the world. We've, you know, promoted world peace, all this bullshit that we've, you know, this is the greatest, you know, document ever written that, that the constitution is a living, breathing document that should never fail and should stand the test of time. Yet we had to fight a civil war not even a hundred years later. Yeah. We were a country for 70 years. We had to fight a civil war because these men that we've propped up were, I mean, they were white supremacists. They yeah. owned slaves. Mm-hmm. And, and we've discussed, we've, we've thrown this language out and we try to throw as much language out as possible. You know, it was a different time. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? 
I don't understand. I don't get how Thomas Jefferson wrote this and that the phrase that all men are created equal, how, I don't know, being, I mean, a nation that was founded uh, under God, I'll say, yeah, how, how you don't see them as a brother in Christ, if that makes sense, and how yeah. you don't see them as equal to you. Yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're not even talking, we haven't even gotten to women yet. Right. Although Vic would probably say we should repeal the 19th Amendment, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that's besides the point. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And think about it. They uh, were so split when they wrote the Constitution 15 years later that they said, okay, for population purposes, for, for representative purposes, if if you own a slave, that's three-fifths of a, of a person. So they acknowledged that black people were, you know... Human? Yeah, uh, that they were human. But only three-fifths of the way. That's so messed up. Yeah. But these are the men that we're supposed to prop up. That American flag... We should never let it touch the ground. We, you know, these are guys that founded a nation, some of the most brilliant men ever. Come on. I mean, what are we talking about here? We're talking about, again, we've said it a dozen times now, white supremacists that just wanted a tax break. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's, 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 a, that's a broad... Well, not exactly, bro. Is it? But it's a generalization, I'll say. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's not wrong. (laughs) And, you know. They got got taxed for some playing cards, and they were like, all right, that's it. Yeah, they were like, wait, you're going to tax my fucking tea? Are you kidding me? Throw it all away, (laughs) and let's start a war. Yeah. (laughs) Drop the gloves, let's throw hands. And, and, you know, the British, everybody forgets about the War of 1812. The British were still here. They didn't leave. Uh, So that's why the War of 1812 happened, essentially. And, you know, James Madison used to be my favorite founder, uh, favorite founding father, if you will. But my boy, Ben Franklin, I mean, Ben Franklin was a self-made man. He... started a newspaper he had more than a dozen pseudonyms that he went under um i've been to his home in philadelphia uh, or well where his home used to be um he's definitely the definition of a self-made man Uh, he didn't come from money or anything like that he made himself i made many interests i often i've read many uh, biographies and he started writing his own autobiography actually when he was 17 years old what yeah he started writing his autobiography when he was 17 that's kind of a g move oh that's a, he said i know i'm gonna be big yeah <laughs> <laughs> um he essentially drew the original gadsden flag 
I mean, join or die. The snake with the broken up states or colonies at that point. Um, in what, 1754? And he went to France. He went to London as a diplomat when we didn't have any diplomats. I mean, he all he ever did was sign his name to a couple documents. He was never a politician. And he said the only job of the government is to count how many people live here and deliver the mail. That's it. That's my reason for being Benevolus Franklin before we get to, if we're going to talk about the review of America, how we got to today, I want to talk about the Trail of Tears. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk also, I mean, I feel like <laughs> we've expressed a lot about how much we don't like Republican, like true Republicans and true conservatives. Mm-hmm. This one's going to turn some people off. I don't care that Andrew Jackson was a Democrat in, you know, 1830. I don't. Quit with the whole, the Republicans are the ones that freed the slaves. Quit with the whole, the Democrats were the ones that, you know, were, were driving all the Native Americans out and killing them and own all the slaves in the South. I don't give a fuck. Let's... Let's talk about all the things that people on the right have done. They they took the, they took down the World Trade Center. Dude, that's even more evident now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Two point three trillion dollars. Yeah, coincidentally, while George W. Bush was president. Anyways, anyways, I digress. Trail of Tears was is, I think, as you got older, you understood it more. Um. But it should be taught more. My respect for Native Americans is immense. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, sure. They had their own issues. They they killed each other brutally. They scalped people. But isn't the story of Thanksgiving that we shared with brothers and sisters a meal? Yeah. Interesting. But see, the problem with history now is everybody wants to only talk about what's convenient for them. What do you mean? They'll talk about, you know. Are you talking about people in general? Or are you talking about like when you're in going through school? I mean, you're learning about history. I think both. I think both. And, and the history can be so easily misconstrued. Yeah. Obviously. Um, can you really read a book and know what happened anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's no just statement of facts. It's all evaluation. But the thing about history class and why it's so important and why learning about all of this is so important, you need to learn what happened to one, not do it again, mm-hmm. or two, understand why it's happening again so in both regards i mean if you if you've never experienced something you're just going to go through the motions and that's what i mean talked about the great collapse last week and two weeks ago i mean 
Uh, how's the depression not coming? I saw that more gas stations are running out of gas this week. Are you serious? Yeah, I thought we were over that. Did it, did another gas line get hacked? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll talk about the Trail of Tears. And then really after that, there's only one thing that matters. Civil War. We don't even need to get into that. But I think the climax of the first act of America was Lincoln's death. I think if Lincoln lives four more years, sees his presidency out, nothing we know today is the same. Can you go into that? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what were you going to say? No, I'm, I just, I'm curious to, to hear you go into detail. Yeah, I think you look at, I mean, we can talk about Andrew Johnson and his absolute failure <laughs> and the reason that he was in, the, the only president that's been impeached for the right reasons because he, he didn't do his job. He failed. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about Lincoln, who was a libertarian through and through, but during wartime had to make the tough choice to suspend laws, to create new laws. Lincoln was actually the president that implemented income tax for the first time with the intention to repeal. Now, I don't know the exact years on when it came back because now it's actually (laughs) unbelievable, unbelievable that it's an amendment to the Constitution that we apparently owe the government money to be alive. (laughs) But wartime, wartime changes things. Wartime always changes things. It's not the same, whether we want to like that or not. Lincoln's death is more than just John Wilkes Booth, a Southern sympathizer shooting a president. I mean, that'd be a whole episode and a half. And we'd have to have Justinian on here to talk about it. Um, I, that's an entire thing. But nothing dark had come to America yet. It was all success, in essence. Yeah. And then the president gets shot in the head. The guy that emancipated the slaves, that led the Union through the war, that preserved and saved the Union is dead. And what does that mean? It means the South kind of feels like they won and that they were justified. It means that the North feels lost. And it's almost like they had to press reset after that and say, we got to do this whole thing again. And then it took another hundred years for technically all citizens of the United States to have the same rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, that timeline plays out. A hundred years, a hundred years. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? Twenty seventy. The next time that'd be about a hundred years. I don't know. I'm just saying. I think I don't find years to be coincidences. I don't find symbols to be coincidences. 
And I'm just going to throw it out there. George Washington was also a Freemason. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was not. I'm just saying. Well, well, let me ask you this. You would talk a little bit about coincidences, years. What about JFK? Oh, I mean, that's insane. I can't even name them all. It's, it is crazy. Yeah, that's just bizarre. I mean, how do you feel about JFK as a president? I mean, you, you talk about Lincoln, but... Well, we'll get to JFK. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll back off. I'll back cool, off. Cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> um, forgive me, audience. Poopies, are we still on track here? I don't know. You never I think know so. We, we talked about the Lincoln death. Uh, okay. Next, we got the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, I just think that's a significant point. And I think <laughs> I, Benevolent Senior and I believe that we were born in the wrong generation and that we should have been Westerners that could, you know, settle our problems at high noon. Um, that sounds like a world I want to live in. <laughs> but the Industrial Revolution was just that boom. It was that America, okay, we got over one hump. Let's, let's see what we can do. And then just absolute libertarian libertarianism just sweeps, just sweeps and technology inventions. We make the 5,000 year leap, like, like we've talked about before. And on the East side of the country, you've got businesses, you've got oil, all these things just, just going crazy. And then in the West, you've got settlements. You've got people earning money if they want to, living on a farm if they want to. What's, what's, what's the disconnect? You know what I mean? Like, why did we have to change that? Granted, child labor. (laughs) I mean, I hate to say it. Sometimes the government does need to exist. Um, you know, we can't have nine-year-olds working in a factory that's producing crude oil, you know, and gasoline but, and but, steel. We I mean, just throw something out there. What, what if the kid wants to work? <laughs> I'm just asking out of curiosity. I agree, but how do we, what do we say every single week? Fuck the elites, right? Yeah. Who's running all these factories? Who owns them? The elites. Money. Money always goes back to control everything, and that's why the kids had to work. You look at these slums. You look at the immigrants that were coming. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We we have no idea what that's like. And now it's not like we come from anything special. But we, I would say we are very self-made. But we also had the guidance to get there. These immigrants come with nothing. Yeah. And are like, yeah, throw my throw my five-year-old, get him <laughs> melt and steel. <laughs> you want to drink whiskey, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Don't you want to earn your 30 cents <laughs> an hour? But I agree. It, it's it's tough. Um, it's just it's kind of like food labels. Mm-hmm. You know? Um shouldn't 
like why does the government require nutrition labels and expiration dates shouldn't the people know to go look for those things well yes but you also have to remember that the elitists the satanists among us exist and that the money hungry bastards (laughs) are always going to be money hungry bastards right and then i don't know world war one doesn't really excite me that much um it was kind of boring for the u.s it was just a trench war. So all I know is that Woodrow Wilson, I will agree, he has been propped up by the left for a century. And he was a mega racist. He played, oh, what the hell is the name of that movie? I don't, I don't, I, I'll have to look it up. Um, It's on the tip of my tongue, though. It was a racist-ass movie oh. about the KKK um, in the White House. In the White House. We had the Roaring Twenties. I mean, you want to talk about a wild world? You want to talk about the end of libertarianism? You got to talk about the 1920s. People were buying stocks on credit, which means that it's just the money. <laughs> just It didn't exist. Uh, everybody was a bootlegger. And people were like, you know what? How crazy is it? How crazy is it that we actually signed, we signed into, into our constitution that we couldn't drink alcohol? I, I couldn't imagine that. I'm drinking wine right now. For anybody that's surprised that we still haven't legalized marijuana, just remember, we're still not even 100 years back to drinking booze legally. Yeah. <laughs> so That's insane. I especially the way these people wanted to drink. Mm-hmm. That's why America has a you know, everyone talks about the other European countries and how drinking's just a part of it. Well, less than a hundred years ago, <laughs> people were told you can't drink. So what did everybody do? They got hammered. Of course the Great Depression. I don't know what's so great about it. And I think if if any of us actually experienced it, well, I think we're going to soon enough. But just imagine everything you own not being worth anything. Because the elitists and the government that our loving founding fathers created decided, you know what? Let's just control everything. Let's create the Fed and fuck the people. Yeah. No, we're going to skip World War II for a second. No, you go ahead. Pugliese. I mean, I know you're talking about, you've talked about at the end of this housing boom right now, Mm -hmm. everything else that we're going to hit a depression. I mean, are you thinking it's going to be the same level? No, I'm thinking 20 times worse. Worse? Worse. Is it going to be global? Yeah, that one was. This one will be too. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I mean, yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, we had similar issue in not really the same, but in 2008 with the housing market. And that was created by the government, literally created by the government. And so was right. this. Yeah. But this, I mean, you're just, this is going to be worse. Yeah. And I mean, think about what came from the Great Depression. FDR, 
the only four-time president, the only four-time president, the only three-time president in the history of the United States. This guy was so fucking arrogant. He didn't just run one extra term. He ran two extra terms. Luckily, he croaked during the fourth one. People try to rank him the number three president of all time. For what? What, what did For he do? Because he brought us out of the Depression. I feel like World War II brought us out of the Depression. Hitler brought us out of the Depression. I wasn't going to say that. I just... <laughs> you wanted to, though. I did. I did, but I just thought it'd be better if I just said World War II. Do you think the Holocaust happened? <laughs> I do. I just yeah. Want to, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking you were going to say I was some sort of bootlicker or something if I said it, it happened. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think you're a bootlicker for thinking the Holocaust happened. I mean, it did. I mean, people lived it. So I don't really know how you can say it didn't. Are there, are there people that say it didn't? There's a lot of people that say it didn't. Why? What? <laughs> You know what? We're going to have to put that on a future topic. Because okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> that's a, these people are nuts. It's kind of like the, uh, what are they called? The, that group that shows up to like military funerals and like tells them that they're, you know, basically they're bootlickers and that they're going to hell. Something You've lost Baptist, me there. Something Baptist. Oh. Anyways. World War II, the great, amazing nation that we founded, dropped not one, but two atomic nuclear bombs on the people of Japan. Now think about that. If Russia dropped nukes on our two biggest cities... What, what would the world look like? And we just did it and said, you obey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they hit Pearl Harbor and we just, <laughs> we, we took them out. We let them hit Pearl Harbor. I, I, yeah, but I just mean, we, we retaliated them, but said, no, we're going to destroy basically Japan. Yeah. No, you can't come back. I, I can't believe Japan loves America. I, Granted, we kind of built rebuilt their country. Yeah, but that's still insane. I just... And, you know, the bootlickers will come out, well, we gave them a chance, and they said no, and then they said no again. I don't care. Have you seen? There are... During the 50s, mostly the 50s, they did so many nuclear tests out west and over in, in, in the Pacific. And our, our soldiers were there. And to test the effects, they would say, you know, cover your eyes or turn away. They drop the bomb. They don't have cancer. Literally. Like, I want to say 91% of them got cancer. Yeah. Our soldiers. Mm -hmm. They said that a nuclear bomb is so bright that you could have your eyes closed and be covering your eyes and you can see, still see the skeleton of your hand. That's wild. But everybody in America wants to talk about, you know, mock, cruel, and unusual punishment. 
as capital punishment? No, I don't think so. What would the founders say? Well, you know, you got to get them. We don't want to pay them taxes. We don't want them. We don't want to be no Japanese. You know, in the fifties, tax rate was insane. What was it? I want to say. Uh, you can give me a ballpark. I don't, I'm not. It was like 80% or something. Oh, fuck. Why? I have no idea. But if you look at the tax rate and who's in, who was in charge during these, what party? The good old GOP. If you go look at the tax rates, yeah, they're, they're like out of control. I have absolutely no idea why. And then they get, came down out of nowhere. I have a theory, though. That the 1960s, almost 200 years after the Declaration of Independence, was the pinnacle 10-year period in the history of the world. You got civil rights, Vietnam. I wrote in here hippies. We're going to get to that in a second. JFK. I said we'd get to JFK. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) He wasn't the best dude. He was a womanizer, um, an adulterer. But this guy was probably the original founder of the Gazan Press and the Whiskey Rebellion. I mean, he straight up said in speeches that the world is run by the elites and by secret organizations that want to control you. And they killed him. They killed him. Isn't that amazing? There's no way Lee Harvey Oswald shot him. Yeah. You know, I don't understand. Do people realize this? That a president was saying this, but now we're conspiracy theorists for even suggesting it? Yeah. If you look up, I want you to look up right now. All right. All right. Illuminati 1776. I'm not trying to get conspiracy theorists here. I'm just trying to point out something. The Illuminati's making several groups. Bavarian Illuminati and Enlightenment era secret society founded on May 1st, 1776. Yep. That's nuts. I just find it a little bizarre. Yeah. Just, just a little. You're not kidding about Oppression Day. Oppression Day. This is an Independence Day. This is oppression day. This was an opportunity that they seized. But anyways, I personally adore JFK. That's kind of what I was trying to get out of you, but yeah, because I've said it before. Yeah, I know. I I think he was great. And I think they killed him for a reason. Yeah. I, I don't think there's much else to say that. He wouldn't have sent us to Vietnam at all. Vietnam was the first desert storm. It was the first war on terror. We claim that we went there to stop the spread of communism. Okay. Well, guess what? We didn't stop it because it's in the United States. Like we were living very closely to a potential communist regime. Mm-hmm. We went there for money and drugs and control. That's it. We lost the war. 
It wasn't even a war. We lost. Because we had no business being there. It's just human nature. When you have no reason to fight, why would you fight? Yeah. And that's why, you know, they're not our cup of tea. They're, they're not our crowd, the hippie crowd. Yeah. But we're kind of hippies. We're, we're blue-collar hippies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I see what you're getting at. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not hippies, but the ideas, I guess, kind of stand. I mean, you said earlier, shouldn't we love our our brothers in arms in Christ? Yeah. Spread the love, man. <laughs> buy guns, buy Peace ammo. Peace out, brother. Peace out. <laughs> buy guns, buy ammo. You know, buy weed, smoke weed, do crack. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I see what you're getting at there. Yeah. I just don't think I can rock the glasses and the long hair. That's all. Like I said, they're not our, the crowd may not be our <laughs> cup of tea, but we'd, yeah, they wouldn't realize it, but we believe the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I put cold war in these notes as kind of what's after this, even though it was before and after, I don't really know what to say about the cold war other than we didn't go to the moon and the cold war was nothing more than a nationalist agenda that luckily the Soviet Union wanted to play play along with. And that all it did was promote American nationalism. And that Ronald Reagan is the biggest joke of a president in the history of the United States. And nobody can convince me otherwise. And with that, I might have to say we lost a lot of our GOP listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think you can tell them that. You can't. You can't. I I, I grew up, I never really understood the whole Reagan thing. I remember when he died. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people, I mean, you ask almost any conservative that I know, and that's who they'll say is their greatest president, at least in their lifetime. I don't know how. I don't know how it's anybody but Donald Trump. Yeah. Especially now. Um, Yeah. But I'll even say, I mean, I used to think that, but that's just kind of how I was raised. And then I listen to you every week, and it's like, I'm wrong. I'm allowed to be wrong. He was in the Illuminati. He's a white supremacist. Of course he was. They all are. Yeah. Who was his vice president? George H.W. The guy that had a shoe in to be back-to-back presidents, or to have back-to-back presidencies. And this man said, read my lips, no new taxes, taxed everybody, lost. And then he became, you know, a adored old-ass man. And everybody forgot that he used to like to use the terms New World Order. And then his son was a puppet of... Wait, wait, wait. Like to use the term New World Order for what? He said the words New World Order. So did Ronald Reagan. Like... They used it in a speech. Like the same way, like the Democrats are now saying build back better. But Yeah. Oh, fuck. I, I, I will say I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. 
that they were going to advance a new world order because apparently America should get into wars overseas that we have no business being in for 20 fucking years. For 20 years. I remember, and you know what, Mother Mother Gadsden is going to hear this. I remember I asked her when I was younger, why are we going to war in the Middle East? It didn't make any sense to me. I was like, today, did Iran bomb us or something? And she said, because our last president didn't finish the job. So that would have been old BJ Billy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and looking back, I don't understand. I think she would change her mind now. On, I think she probably agrees that that I understand what she was trying to say, but we shouldn't have ever been there in the first place. Right. We literally created Osama bin Laden. He was America. Yeah. yeah. We trained I, him. I told someone that the other day and they were like, no way. <laughs> what do they mean? No way. We trained him. Yeah. It was, I assume this person is a right winger. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's tough. That's tough. And, and you know, I think we go after the right hard because why would we go after the left? Everyone that listens to this probably agrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, <clears throat> you know, it's probably like, okay, we're talking about the review of America, how we got to today. It's simple. After Reagan and HW, Internet boom, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and mixed in there, I will say this till the day I die, the cancer of society, social media. I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. I know I'm not. But why, why Obama and why Trump? Complete opposite bases. One that had that did not realize, they either completely didn't realize or were not 100% on board with what Obama's agenda was. And another that, once again, completely does not realize or wasn't 100% on board with what the movement was. Donald Trump is not, and this is where he failed in 2020. We didn't vote for Trump. We voted for the movement. You've said it before on here. We've all said it. And how does that relate back to the beginning? To America? How does today, why is this oppression day? It's because of what it was taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Oppression day was not July 4th, 1776. As much as I, you know, hyped it up. <laughs> July 4, 1776 is probably the one date in history I can think of of a truly free nation. Yeah. One day. And it's a shame what the right has turned it into. It's also a shame what the left has turned it into. It's a shame that so many people don't um, connect with it 
Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the Juneteenth stuff. I understand the Juneteenth thing. I do. And I think it should be celebrated. I think we should just yeah. get a whole fucking week off of work. Everybody just parties, black, whites, Hispanics, whoever. We all just get hammered on the streets. I'm down with that. I'm we down with that. Yeah, we chant fuck the elites and, you know, shoot machine guns. What's more American than that? <laughs> Nothing. I love it. I'll tell you what, man. If I could just, I mean, I was in Miami and the first thing I saw when I got there was a plane <laughs> flying with a sign that said, shoot machine guns at this place. And Mrs. Publius wouldn't let me do it. Yeah. Well, FYI, that's where we'll be taking Justin in for his bachelor party one day. If and, that ever happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to Miami. It doesn't matter. We should just try and get this legal where we are and start our own, just get machine guns and just start shooting them. Yeah, I like it. Gats and Arms. <laughs> hey, Gats and Arms, TGP, White Boy Summer 2021. <laughs> but listen, we're not done. And actually, I have a question for you, Publius. I oh. asked you, why Publius? Because I'm going to hate on Publius during this episode. Why do you yeah. Publius? So, all right. Let's... Less about who was Publius and more about the meaning behind Publius. Mm-hmm. If you have, the Latin meaning is like the people or of the people. And that's the actually the first three words of the Constitution, we the people. And, you know, you talk about this July 4th being, I mean, you just changed it, but uh, oppression <laughs> day. But basically, like, and like you just said about Trump, it was the movement. The movement from July 4th, and it was really before we know, but from July 4th was the people standing up against a tyrannical government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a sense of like camaraderie among the people fighting yes. for fighting for a joint cause. And that's something I, I just don't see anymore. Everyone is about their own personal gain. What, what can they get out of the world? And, you know, I, to some respects, I get that, you yeah. know, you, you have to look out for yourself, but there's also a point where you have to see that the government right now is just failing us. And this is their, this is their purpose. They want to destroy that camaraderie between people. They don't want the, the, the biggest thing that scares them is a movement of the people. Yeah. And that's part of the reason, you know, we I mean, you've, you've started the guest press and I'm, I'm happy to be along and, and go on this journey with you because it's, it's not just, while it might be more of a right-leaning site, it's not about that. Yeah. It's about sharing your views and you can have different views. It's about, it's really just about the movement um, against our oppressors, really. Um, but I, have, I, I tried to write it out. It was kind of just... A lot kept coming to me when you asked me this. <laughs> and it's the thing about the guest and press is it's welcoming all ideas. Mm-hmm. And we're, like we're, you, we want to unite against the enemy of the enemy of the people, which is the elites. We talk about it every week. Fuck them. 
<laughs> and that's why that's the purpose for me writing and hosting the show behind the name Publius because I believe right now I am part of something that is for the people. Yeah. And I know I have a lot of work to do, but but I think me and you, uh, along with Justinian, Vic. Rex. Yeah, Rex. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I want to be the, some sort of guiding light in the coming dark times. You know, the, the, the slogan of the guest and press, it's always darkest before the dawn. I mean, we're, we're in the dark times, heading even into darker times. Um, but I want to be that kind of light uh, yeah. and just maybe be the start of a brighter future for the people. And that's that all comes back to the name Publius. That circles back. That's what, three or four? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Um, I, I could tell when I asked you, like, here, I've got something for you to think about. You kept texting me. I was like, "All right, I like it. You're you're operating like I do." Yeah. But this is, uh, yeah. Before I go into this last bit, this is why we have to be so hard on America on this show, and why you should. You know, it, it it's not easy for me to <clears throat> sit back here. And not tell everyone, I want you to go out this weekend, chug a 30 rack, shoot fireworks and shoot guns. Like, that's exactly what I want you to do. Because while she has so many flaws, what America is supposed to be versus what it is, is what we should remember. I mean, this year I kind of feel like I'm mourning a nation a bit. Um, even during Trump, I felt like that Trump tried to enlighten us, brings back a little bit. I don't know. I think I felt like this since a long time, long, long time. And it's difficult. And I want people to be able to be free and I want people to be able to do whatever the hell they want and say whatever they want. And, you know, if you don't like the flag, that's fine. But what was her name? The Olympian runner this last week? I wasn't going to talk about it. Oh, uh, Gwen Berry? Is that right? Yeah, Gwen Berry. I don't care that she didn't, you know, appreciate the national anthem being played. I don't, I don't even understand that whole thing, what happened. It sounds stupid. It's her right to say what she said. It is not her right to not look at the flag and to completely disrespect it. That's where Trump... Fucked up. That's where the right severely fucked up. Is everybody on the right should have said, you know what? As long as you're going to look at the flag and you're not going to disrespect it, there's plenty of people that can't stand. Go ahead and kneel. You're right. We should stand with you. Let's 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 not just talk about how the blacks are oppressed by the police. Let's talk about how we all are. How they do what. Whatever their superiors tell them to do, whatever the state tells them to do, the state is against everybody. And they weren't for a time. Mm -hmm. And losing Rush this year, I, I think about it every day. Um, 
I still can't believe he's not going to be here for this weekend. Every year he would read this on his show. It's titled My Father's Speech. It was written by his father, Rush H. Limbaugh Jr. Rush was the third. And it's um, it's the letter his father wrote titled Our Lives, Our Fortunes, Our Sacred Honor. It was a glorious morning. The sun was shining and the wind was from the southeast. Up especially early, a tall, bony, red-headed young Virginian found time to buy a new thermometer, for which he paid three pounds, 15 shillings. He also bought gloves for Martha, his wife, who was ill at home. Thomas Jefferson arrived early at the state house. The temperature was 70, 72.5 degrees, and the horse flies weren't nearly so bad at that hour. It was a lovely room, very large, with gleaming white walls. The chairs were comfortable. Facing the single door were two brass fireplaces, but they would not be used today. The moment the door was shut, and it was always kept locked, the room became an oven. The tall windows were shut so that loud quarreling voices could not be heard by passerby. Small openings atop the windows allowed a slight stir of air and also a large number of horseflies. Thomas records that the horseflies were dexterous in finding necks and the silk of stockings was nothing to them. All discussing was punctuated by the slap of hands on necks. On the wall at the back, facing the president's desk, was a panel, panel, panoply, that's a new word, consisting of a drum, swords, and banners seized from Fort Ticonderoga the previous year. Ethan Allen and Benedict Arnold had captured the place, shouting that they were taking it in the name of the great Jehovah and the Continental Congress. Now Congress got to work, promptly taking up an emergency measure about which there was discussion but no dissension resolved that an application be made to the Committee of Safety of Pennsylvania for a supply of flints for the troops at New York. Then Congress transformed itself into, into a Committee of the Whole. The Declaration of Independence was read aloud once more, and the debate resumed. Though Jefferson was the best writer of them all, he had been somewhat verbose. Congress hacked the excess away. They did a good job as a side-by-side -side comparison of the rough draft in the final text shows. They cut the phrase by a self-assumed power. Climb was replaced by must read. Then must was eliminated. Then the whole sentence, and soon the whole paragraph was cut. Jefferson groaned as they continued what he later called their depredations. Inherent and inalienable rights came out certain unalienable rights. And to this day, no one knows who suggested the eloquent change. A total of 86 alterations were made. Almost 500 words were eliminated, leaving 1,337. At last, after three days of wrangling, the document was put to a vote. Here in this hall, Patrick Henry had once thundered, I am no longer a Virginian, sir, but an American. But today the loud, sometimes bitter argument stilled. And without fanfare, the vote was taken from north to south by colonies, as was the custom. On July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was adopted. There were no trumpets blown. No one stood on his chair and cheered. 
The afternoon was waning and Congress had no thought of delaying the full calendar of routine business on its hands. For several hours, they worked on many other problems before adjourning the day. Much to lose. What kind of men were the 56 signers who adopted the Declaration of Independence and who, by in their signing, committed an act of treason against the Crown? To each of you, the names Franklin, Adams, Hancock, and Jefferson are almost as familiar as household words. Most of us, however, know nothing of the other signers. Who were they? What happened to them? I imagine that many of you are somewhat surprised at the names not there. George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, Patrick Henry, all were elsewhere. Ben Franklin was the only really old man. 18 were under 40, three were in their 20s. Of the 56, almost half, 24, were judges and lawyers. 11 were merchants, nine were landowners and farmers, and the remaining 12 were doctors and ministers and politicians. With only a few exceptions, such as Samuel Adams of Massachusetts, these were men of, of substantial property. All but two had families. The vast majority were men of education and standing in their communities. They had economic security as few men had in the 18th century. Each had more to lose from revolution than he had to gain by it. John Hancock, one of the richest men in America, already had a price of 500 pounds on his head. He signed an enormous letter so that his majesty could, quote, now read his name without glasses and could now double the reward. Ben Franklin noted, indeed, we must all hang together. Otherwise, we shall most assuredly hang separately. Fat Benjamin Harrison of Virginia told Tiny El Elbridge Jerry of Massachusetts, with me, it will all be over in a minute. But you, you will be dancing on air an hour after I am gone. These men knew what they risked. The penalty for treason was death by hanging. And remember, a great British fleet was already at anchor in New York Harbor. These were sober men. There were, there were no dreamy-eyed intellectuals or draft card burners here. They were far from hot-eyed fanatics yammering for an explosion. They simply asked for the status quo. It was change they resisted. It was equality with the mother country they desired. It was taxation with representation they sought. They were all conservatives, yet they rebelled. It was principle, not property, that had brought these men to Philadelphia. Two of them became presidents of the United States. Seven of them became state governors. One died in office as vice president of the United States. Several would go on to be U.S. senators. One, the richest man in America, in 1828 founded the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. One, a delegate from Philadelphia, was the only real poet, musician, and philosopher of the signers. It was he, Francis Hop Hopkinson, not Betsy Ross, who designed the United States flag. Richard Henry Lee, a delegate from Virginia, had introduced the resolution to adopt the Declaration of Independence in June of 1776. He was prophetic in his concluding remarks. Why then, sir, do we delay? Do we longer delay? Why still deliberate? Let this happy day give birth to an American Republic. Let her arise not to devastate and to conquer, but to reestablish re the reign of peace and law. The eyes of Europe are fixed upon us. She demands of us a living 
example of freedom that may exhibit a contrast in the felicity of the citizen to the ever-increasing tyranny which desolutes her polluted shores. She invites us to prepare an asylum where the unhappy may find solace and the persecuted repost. If we are not this day wanting in our duty, the names of the American legislatures of 1776 will be placed by posterity at the side of all those whose memory has been and ever will be dear to virtuous men and good citizens. Though the resolution was formally adopted July 4th, it was not until July 8th that two of the states authorized their delegates to sign it, and it was not until August 2nd that the signers met at Philadelphia to actually put their names to the Declaration. William Ellery, delegate from Rhode Island, was curious to see the signers' faces as they committed the supreme act of personal courage. He saw some men sign quickly, but in no face was he able to discern real fear. Stephen Hopkins, Ellery's colleague from Rhode Island, was a man past 60. As he signed with a shaking pen, he declared, my, tr my heart, my hand trembles, but my heart does not. Most glorious service. Even before the list was published, the British marked down every, mem every member of Congress suspected of having put his name to treason. All of them became the objects of vicious manhunts. Some were taken. Some, like Jefferson, had narrow escapes. All who had property or families near British strongholds suffered. Francis Lewis, New York delegate, saw his home plundered and his estates in what is now Harlem completely destroyed by British soldiers. Mrs. Lewis was captured and treated with great brutality, though she was later exchanged for two, Brit two British prisoners through the efforts of Congress, she died from the effects of her abuse. William Floyd, another New York delegate, was able to escape with his wife and children along Long Island Sound to Connecticut, where they lived as refugees without income for seven years. When they came home, they found a devastated ruin. Phillips Livingstone had all his great holdings in New York confiscated and his family driven out of their home. Livingston died in 1778 while working in Congress for the cause. Louis Morris, the fourth New York delegate, saw all his timber, crops, and livestock taken. For seven years, he was barred from his home and family. John Hart of Trenton, New Jersey, risked his life to return home to see his dying wife. Hessian soldiers rode after him as he escaped in the woods. While his wife lay on her deathbed, the soldiers ruined his farm and wrecked his homestead. Hart, 65, slept in caves and woods as he was hunted across the countryside. When at long last, emancipated by hardship, he was able to sneak home. He found his wife had already been buried and his 13 children taken away. He never saw them again. He died a broken man in 1779 without ever finding his family. Dr. John Witherspoon, signer, was president of the College of New Jersey later called Princeton. The British occupied the town of Princeton and the billeted troops in the college. They trampled and burned the finest college library in the country. John Richard Stockton, another New York delegate signer, had rushed back to his estate in an effort to evacuate his wife and children. The family found refuge with friends, but a Tory sympathizer betrayed them. Judge Stockton was pulled from bed in the night and brutally beaten by the arresting soldiers. Thrown into a common jail, he was deliberately starved. Congress finally arranged for Stockton's parole, 
but his health was ruined. The judge was, re- was released as an invalid, but he could no longer harm the British cause. When he could no longer harm the British cause. Wow. He returned home to find his estate looted and did not live to see the triumph of the revolution. His family was forced to live off charity. Robert Morris, Merchant Prince of Philadelphia, Delegate and Signer, met Washington's appeals and pleas for money year after year. He made and raised arms and provisions which made it possible for Washington to cross the Delaware and Trenton. In the process, he lost 150 ships at sea, bleeding his own fortune and credit almost dry. George Clymer, Pennsylvania, Signer, escaped with his family from their home, but their property was completely destroyed by the British and the Germantown and Brandywine campaigns. Dr. Benjamin Rush, also from Pennsylvania, was forced to flee to Maryland. As a heroic surgeon with the army, Rush had narrow, several narrow escapes. John Martin, a Tory in his views, previous to the debate, lived in a strongly loyalist area of Pennsylvania. When he came out for independence, most of his neighbors and even some of his relatives ostracized him. He was a sensitive and troubled man, and many believed this action killed him. When he died in 1777, his last words to his tormentors were, Tell them that they will live to see the hour when they shall acknowledge it, to have been the most glorious service that I have ever rendered to my country. William Ellery, Rhode Island delegate, saw his property and home burned to the ground. Thomas Flinch Jr., South Carolina delegate, had his health broken from private privation? and exposures while serving as a company commander in the military. His doctors ordered him to seek a cure in the West Indies, and on the voyage, he and his young bride were drowned at sea. Edward Rutledge, Arthur Middleton, and Thomas Hayward Jr., the three other South Carolina signers, were taken by the British in the siege of Charleston. They were carried as prisoners of war to St. Augustine, Florida, where they were singled out for indignities. They were exchanged at the end of the war, the British in the meantime having completely devastated their large land holdings in the states. Thomas Nelson, signer of Virginia, was at the front in command of the Virginia military forces. With British General Charles Cornwallis in Yorktown, fire from 70 heavy (laughs) American guns began to destroy Yorktown piece by piece. Lord Cornwallis and his staff moved their headquarters into Nelson's (laughs) I remember this one, into his home. While American cannonballs were making a shambles of the town, the house of Governor Nelson remained untouched. Nelson turned in rage to the American gunners and said, why do you spare my home? They replied, sir, out of respect to you, Nelson cried, give me the cannon, and fired on his magnificent, magnificent home himself, smashing it to bits. But Nelson's sacrifice was not quite over. He raised... $2 $2 million for the revolutionary cause by pledging his own estates. When the loans came due, a new peacetime Congress refused to honor them, and Nelson's property was forfeited. He was never reimbursed. He died, impoverished, a few years later at the age of 50. Lives, fortunes, honor. Of those 56 who signed the Declaration of Independence, nine died of wounds or hardships during the war. Five were captured and imprisoned, imprisoned, in each case with brutal treatment. Several lost wives or entire families. One lost his 13 children. Two wives were brutally treated. 
all were at one time or another the victims of manhunts and driven from their homes. Twelve signers had their homes completely burned. Seventeen lost everything they owned. Yet one defected. Yet one, yet not one defected or went back on his pledge word. Their honor and the nation they sacrificed so much to create is still intact. And finally, there's the New York Jersey signer, Abraham Clark. He gave two sons to the officer corpse in the Revolutionary War. They were captured and sent to that infamous British prison hulk afloat in the New York Harbor, known as the Hell Ship Jersey, where 11,000 American captives were to die. The younger Clarks were treated with a special brutality because of their father. One was put in solitary and given no food. With the end almost in sight, with the war almost won, no one could have blamed Abraham Clark for acceding to the British request when they offered him his son's lives, if he would recant and come out for the king and parliament. The utter despair in this man's heart, the anguish in his very soul, must reach out to each one of us down through 200 plus years with his answer. No. The 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence proved by their every deed that they made no idle boast when they com- when they composed the most magnificent curtain line in history. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm resilience on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. When I read through that, I thought it was kind of nuts. I mean, (laughs) these guys gave up a lot. And I will say, you know, I, I wanted you to get through this before I mentioned it. I always wondered about the John Hancock. I didn't know this. I mean, he had 500 pounds on his head. Mm-hmm. And he signed it large just so it would be seen. That's kind of, that's, that's a baller move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the last one, Abraham Clark, that one, that one, that story, what, I mean, he could have just said, he could have just given it up and got his sons back. And he said, no. Yeah. That one got to me. Yeah, and this is uh, Rush's epilogue afterwards, after reading this. My friends, I know you have a copy of the Declaration of Independence somewhere around the house. In an old history book, (laughs) he noted, newer ones may well omit it, an encyclopedia of one of those artificially aged parchments we all got in schools years ago. I suggest that each of you take the time this month to read through the text of the Declaration, one of the most noble and beautiful political documents in human history. There is no more profound sentence than this. We hold these evidence to be, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are far more than mere poetic words. The underlying ideas that infuse every sentence of this treatise have sustained this nation for more than two centuries. 
They were forged in the crucible of great sacrifice. They are living words that spring from and satisfy the deepest cries for liberty in the human spirit. Sacred honor isn't a phrase we use much these days, but every American life is touched by the bounty of this, the founder's legacy. It is freedom tested by blood and watered with tears. And I think as we talk about quote unquote oppression day, as we nitpick the founders, nitpick America, Mm -hmm. as we point out everything that is wrong, it tears me apart to know how little of that sacred honor is left. Yeah. You know, you and I understand what that means. A lot of people understand what that means. A lot of people want to understand what that means. And today, this podcast, this weekend, it shouldn't be forgotten regardless of these men and what what their standing was. There's no elite today other than one that I can think of that was just president that would do something like this. Yeah. And I think that's why we voted for him. I think that's why we're so hard on everything on our side of the aisle. It's because we long... I would sign a document like this. It wouldn't be easy at all. But they could never make me take it away. If they said... If they said benevolence, either the Gazan press comes down or you're going to fucking prison, I'm going to prison. Like, you're not taken down. Sure, we say crazy shit on air. We suggest crazy shit. But I just want everybody to be able to have the opportunity to live their life as the founders truly did want. Were they hypocrites? Absolutely. But but the Declaration of Independence, it is meant for everybody. Mm -hmm. No other document like it exists on this planet. Nothing's ever been written like it. You said Publius means the people. Yeah. But I don't... Nobody wants to remember that there's others outside of themselves that exist. Mm Mm-hmm. And and sure, did the founders, did the 56 men who signed this, were they promoting their own self-interest? Absolutely. But once they put their name to that paper, they knew what that meant. Yeah. That they could be hung for treason. But they were still willing to do it. They were willing to sacrifice everything that they were. Everything that they'd done. Everything that they'd grown, made families, homes, communities. But they said, no, 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 no. I'm here for this. You're not taking this down. Are you willing to do that? That's what you have to ask yourself this weekend. Whether you listen to it this weekend, whether you listen to it years from now, who the hell knows? Are are you willing to lay it all on the line when the time comes? 
to promote more than just your name. I'm not saying you do it in the name of America. I won't. I'll be doing it in the name of <laughs> the United States of Gadsden. <laughs> <laughs> but do you believe in something? Do you believe in something enough to sacrifice everything? That's the question everybody who's listening should ask themselves this weekend. I'll be asking myself, a wife, kids in the future one day? Yeah. How, how do you give it all up? You got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And we understand no one's more conflicted than us. Hell, we live behind pseudonyms for this reason right now. Because we want to say it, but we know we can't. Yeah. And I hope the day comes that we, we don't have to. I'll still go by Benevolence because I think it's fucking badass. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'll pour one out for Rush. Yeah. And, and his father. I had to start relaxing my jaw eventually. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get locked jaw. <laughs> but buy guns, buy fucking fireworks, buy ammo, prove to Joe Biden that he's wrong and that the founders did want you to be able to buy cannons. In fact, you could buy warships back in the day. You could, buy your, you could buy your own damn warship if that's, you wanted to. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Go find some F-15s. Buy a crypto. You know that. It's not Oppression Day. It's Revolution Day. Maybe not Independence Day, <laughs> but it's Revolution Day. Yeah. Fuck the system. Let's, let's make sure that gas can fly forever. Yeah, uh, the reminder, this the, the new uh, one of the new endings. There is no such thing as government funded. It's all taxpayer funded. You are funding that. Do not forget that. And like the chief said, may the gas and fly forever.